take a seat. Well, a warm good morning and welcome to the service. Um, a lot of effort has been put in, into uh, uh, placing this together and it's wonderful that so many could come and share in this opportunity. It's a very um, um, memorable time and uh, a, a time of reflection for many. My own father fought in North Africa and then in um, New Guinea. Uh, and um, although he wouldn't, wouldn't talk about it an awful lot, occasionally he would chat about it and we realised what a significant part of his life it really was. Before we get into, continue with our service, I just want to share these words. We want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land upon which we meet. In his wisdom and love, God gave this land to the Kamaragal and Wallamadegal people. And upon this land, they met for generations until the coming of British settlers. As we continue to learn to live together on these ancestral lands, we acknowledge and pay our respects to their elders, both past and present, and pray that God will unite us all in the knowledge of his Son, in whom all things were created, in heaven and on earth, whether visible or invisible, for all things have been created through him and for him. Lord, have mercy. Christ, have mercy. Lord, have mercy.
Thank you for that. Jesus said, Love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you. This is love, not that we loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. We're encouraged by the scriptures to acknowledge our sins, not to hide them before God, our Heavenly Father, but to confess them so that we may be forgiven through his great goodness and mercy. We ought to admit our sins before God at all times, but especially when we meet together to give thanks for all the benefits we've received from him, to hear his holy word, and to ask what is necessary for the body as well as the soul. Therefore, together, let us draw near to our gracious God and confess our sins. Almighty and most merciful God, Lord of all nations, we confess with shame the sins, both private and public, by which we have broken your law and grieved your spirit. We confess our lack of love for you and for one another. For the sake of your son, who died for us, forgive our sins, take from us all hatred and bitterness, whether in thought, word or action. Lead us to forgive as we have been forgiven and live our lives according to your purposes for us. Through Christ our Lord, amen. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who has promised forgiveness to all who, who truly repent and believe in his Son, Jesus Christ, grant you pardon for your sins, peace in your hearts, the Holy Spirit to enable you to live for him, and at the end, life everlasting in his eternal kingdom, through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.
with that tune and those words flowing through our head, we have a chance to respond ourselves and uh, we'll say the Lord's Prayer together. As we look for the renewal of the whole creation through Jesus Christ, together we are bold to pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as in heaven. Give us today our daily bread. Forgive us our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. Amen. If you remain seated, I welcome um, Councillor Gail Giles-Gidney, who's Mayor of uh, Willoughby. She's going to read the first lesson. Thank you. This reading is from John chapter 15 verses 9 to 17. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You're my friends and if you do what I command, I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends for everything that I have learned from my father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you and appoint you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. This is the word of the Lord.
Our second lesson this morning is taken from Isaiah chapter 2, verses 1 to 5. This is what Isaiah, son of Amos, saw concerning Judah and Jerusalem. In the last days, the mountain of the Lord's temple will be established as the highest of the mountains. It will be exalted above the hills, and all nations will stream to it. Many peoples will come and say, Come, let us go up to the mountain of the Lord, to the temple of the God of Jacob. He will teach us his ways so that we may walk in his paths. The Lord will go out from Zion, the word of the Lord from Jerusalem. He will judge between the nations and will settle disputes for many peoples. They will beat their swords into plowshares and their spears into pruning hooks. Nation will not take up sword against nation, nor will they train for war any more. Come, descendants of Jacob, let us walk in the light of the Lord. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. As we remember today, the ending of the Great War in 1918 and its aftermath in 1919 and the years following. We remember too the nations of the world at war again in the battles of the Second World War and more conflicts since. Let us come to God in prayer. Almighty Father, whose will is to restore all things in your beloved Son, Jesus the King of all, Govern the hearts and minds of those in authority and bring the families of the nations divided and torn apart by the ravages of sin to be subject to his just and gentle rule who is alive and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Eternal God, from whom all thoughts of truth and peace proceed, kindle, we pray, in the hearts of all, the true love of peace, and guide with your wisdom those who lead and govern the nations of the earth, that in tranquility your kingdom may go forward till the earth is filled with the knowledge of your love. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. Father, we remember how your Son had great compassion for those who suffered. Hear our prayer for those who still suffer as the result of the aftermath of the Great War and subsequent conflicts. For those who live with the pain and scars of bodily injury. For those whose minds are shattered. For those who have been bereaved, lost family, home and livelihood, and have lost hope. Grant to them peace of mind and heart and relief from all their suffering. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. O God, our Father, make us to be those who work for peace, seeking always to express your love in the world. Help us to encourage the spirit of reconciliation, sowing love where there is hatred, pardon where there is injury, faith where there is doubt, light where there is darkness, hope where there is despair, 
and joy where there is sadness. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. glad to have all our special guests today and I suppose that really covers everybody here doesn't it but some have come uh, specially to be with us and we're really glad about that
Um, we're very glad to welcome now uh, Bishop Ian Lambert, who is the Anglican Bishop to the uh, Defence Forces. Thanks for coming today. Thank you uh, to Reverend Chris and the people of St Stephen's uh, for this generous invitation to come and speak at this most auspicious occasion. Um, the reason why this is significant for me, and I guess one of the reasons why I assented to uh, becoming the Anglican Bishop of the Defence Force is that I was an army officer for 20 years, and it was about um, six or eight years into that uh, when I was led by my chaplains into a saving faith of Jesus Christ. And so the ministry of chaplains uh, have all, has always been a significant uh, for me. And when I was assistant bishop in Canberra and Goulburn and got tapped on the shoulder for this ministry after prayer and deliberation, I thought, no, this is what God would have me do. And I've been delighted to be doing so since 2013. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of all our hearts be always acceptable to you, our Lord, our Rock, and our Redeemer. Amen. Across the Western world, uh, Palm Sunday has morphed into a day that hosts peace marches and demonstrations, but many march with no acknowledgement or awareness that on this day, 2,000 years ago, the loud hosannas heralded the entry of the Prince of Peace into the city of Jerusalem, a king that was to be crucified, died, and then raised from death on uh, the third day, that those who believed might know true peace in the person of Jesus Christ. Your calendar has us commemorating Anzac Day on this Palm Sunday, and the connection, I hope you'll see, is very apt. On Anzac Day, Australia will pause to remember those who committed their lives to the purposes of world peace and for the continued freedom for their country. Anzac Day commemorates that broad tradition remembering all those who have died in conflicts since that first Anzac Day landing at Gallipoli. Over 100,000 Australians, soldiers, sailors and airmen, both men and women, have made the supreme sacrifice in the pursuit of peace. And of course, 41 of those gave their lives in the most recent conflict in Afghanistan, and many more suffering unseen wounds in mind and spirit. And as we gather this morning, there are members of the ADF still serving in the Middle East, predominantly uh, Army, but Air Force and Navy as well. When Australia became a federation in 1901, few citizens thought of themselves as Australian. Historian John Keegan wrote, Australians went to war as soldiers of six separate states. They came back as members of one nation. World War I has been described as the war, as the war that changed everything. And apart from the political boundaries in Europe and the Middle East, which still reflect peace settlements that followed the war, the long-term consequences uh, of this conflict have made us more inclined to question the political, social, and moral dynamics of warfare. 
Soldiers who returned uh, to Australia and New Zealand had seen much for themselves the waste, the brutality, and the incompetence of much of the war effort. But importantly, they lived by their homegrown attributes of courage, self-reliance, irreverence, egalitarianism, and loyalty among mates. And so on this Palm Sunday, we pause to commemorate. And when we commemorate such things as Anzac Day, three things should occur. First, we commemorate to enable us to become intentional about our thanksgiving. And commemoration ensures that we do not forget to count the cost. And we pause to lament at what we have done. And last, commemoration uh, is in order that we can recommit ourselves to the higher ideals of peace for all humanity and to recall the position of the Prince of Peace in our own lives. First, the matter of thanksgiving. We are eternally thankful for all those who have served and those who gave their lives, paid the ultimate price, for which we gained a reputation as a nation that would stand up for peace, though it nearly cut the heart and future out of our nation. We are eternally thankful for their willingness to fight to defend the basic human rights of freedom and peace. We gained a national identity, a tradition of sacrifice, of bravery and mateship, second to none in the world. And we showed the world that we're not just a nation of battlers, but a nation of achievers, a formidable force brought together from diverse backgrounds for the common cause of God, king, and country. They departed these shores, a significant number from this parish, uh, perhaps seeking adventure, but not knowing the realities or the tragedies of war. They were not to know what it would be like to storm the rugged beaches of Gallipoli, to get foot rot in the bog of the Somme. But it was the diggers, the sailors, the ordinary blokes that made a difference in war. And their works of bravery, their initiative and their battle discipline are memorialized in the war memorial in Canberra of which many, if not most of you have seen. The nations of the world knew that if you had the Aussies on your left flank, the only thing you had to worry about was your right. Let me tell you of a young man whose story I discovered when I was a curate in my first year of ordained ministry in the parish of Cooma in the Snowy Mountains. His name was Ernest Corey. Young Ernest was born in the hills near Cooma. He enlisted in January 1916 and marched with the men of the Snowy River in the famous recruiting march to Goulburn. Within 12 months of enlisting, he was still in his early 20s and he found himself on the battlefields of France. The Australians were attacking the infamous Hindenburg Line and suffered over 3,000 casualties in this battle alone. But it was here that Corey won his military medal for his work and his devotion to duty, not as an officer or an NCO or even a machine gunner, but as a stretcher bearer. Then at the Battle of Menon Road, when a further 5,000 Australian casualties were lost, Corey's unswerving courage earned him a bar to that military medal. His citation read in part, the greatest danger did not deter this man from carrying out his duty, often under heavy machine gun fire and artillery fire. 
Corey was to receive two more bars to his military medal, a military medal with three bars. His citation included words like, regardless of personal danger, unselfish, cheerful at all times, a fine example of courage, coolness, determination, and devotion to duty under fire. This was not a man who was cited for bravery in an instant of madness. No, this was a man who earned his awards over 22 months as a non-combatant. Just another ordinary bloke from the bush doing his bit. And while it's right to remember those who went away and served on active service, we ought to spare time to remember those who stayed behind to keep the wheels of industry turning, to bring the crops in, to shear the mob, to milk the herd, and to watch over the next generation. This was mostly the women. The women at home waiting, not knowing what was happening to their men. These women could be justifiably proud of their war efforts. And it's mostly the women that kept the nation going, especially uh, between or among those two major wars, a sacrifice worthy of our praise. Secondly, we commemorate in order that we never forget to count the cost. Lament ought, ought always be a part of our commemorations. Official records inform us that 61,000 Aussies were killed in World War I. And recent research shows that upwards of 208,000 were gassed or wounded or hospitalised or taken prisoner. 30%, that's a third of all hospitalisations, were due to shell shock trauma. The men of the AIF were decimated. And four out of five of the survivors, those who came home, were damaged or disabled in some way. As a proportion of its fighting force of men who were actually exposed to the theatre of war, Australia's army suffered more deaths, more hospitalisations for wounding and more hospitalisations for illness and injury than any of the armies of Britain, Germany, France, Canada or the United States. Winning this war came at too high a cost for this young nation of Australia. In war, even winners lose. I have met with veterans of our recent engagements in the Middle East and have heard firsthand how post-traumatic stress and moral injury have wrecked lives of men and their families. War has terrible unseen costs and should never be entered into lightly. Last year I was speaking at the Battle of Britain commemoration where we shared the beautiful Coventry Cathedral litany of reconciliation. As I said, any commemoration of war that does not lead us into lament and have us reaching for God in forgiveness over what we have done to humanity because of our warring fails us. As we count the costs, we must acknowledge our evil means and desires, the way we have grieved God and betrayed all that is good in humanity. Praying, Father, forgive, and then reminding ourselves, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another as God in Christ forgave you. So there's thanksgiving, there's counting the cost, 
And thirdly, we commemorate in order to remind us to continue to strive for the lofty ideal of peace, seeking the Prince of Peace. On that very first Palm Sunday, the populace were looking for deliverance, for a deliverer, a Messiah. But Jesus did not fulfill their fleshly desires. He showed a different way. And I admit I am greatly challenged by the example of Jesus' life and death. For while he could have called upon all manner of power to deliver the people of Israel from the Roman occupying force, he knew that this was not the way to establish the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God would be established not by force, but by the death of a man whose life on earth was characterized by foot washing, feeding the hungry, healing and love for all people. He showed a better way and what amazing love. He was a man who gave himself totally for others. As we heard in John's gospel today, Jesus said of such a sacrifice, greater love has no man than to lay down his life for his friends. A phrase that is oft quoted at our Anzac Day services. Through Jesus' death and resurrection on the third day, the final enemy death was defeated. And we, once a sinful people adrift from God, are now a reconciled people with faith and hope that things can be better. Just because we live in a broken world which always seems to have war going on somewhere, it doesn't mean that we ought to stop seeking that higher ideal, that goal of peace. We remember that our God is not a warrior God who leads his people into battle, but he's a loving father who delivers us from the effects of our sin and our shortcomings through love. We worship the Prince of Peace. By us recalling what we have done and what we are capable of encourages us to once again seek after peace, to strive to turn our swords into plowshares and to commit the same energy and resources towards promoting peace as we do when we prepare and plan for our own nation's defence and freedom. So while commemorations do give the opportunity for us to think, to count the cost and to be reminded about the pursuit of peace, there's probably one other thing that happens at times like this. We get a glimpse of our own frailty, that we too will die. In the silences, we can't help but wonder about those big questions of life, about who am I, why am I here, and what does my future hold? And the older we get, the more frequent these questions seem to arise. We are fearfully and wonderfully made by God, who made us to be in a loving relationship with him. And despite our vagaries, our failings, and those of the world in which we live, God reaches out to each of us in the person of Jesus, that we might be reconciled with this God who loves us, who has a plan for us, a plan for our welfare and for our future. And God waits to have that conversation about those big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? 
what is my future? He waits to have those conversations with each of us. And I guess one of the points of this day is that the reason we have the luxury for such deliberations, the reason we are free to ponder is because of what was gained for us through the sacrifice of the men and women who fought and died. And we remember especially those who left this area of Willoughby and paid the ultimate price. It is this freedom we enjoy today and it is this freedom that gives us the opportunity to reevaluate life and its priorities and to once again choose the Prince of Peace. In the name of God the Father, the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Ben Connolly has uh, recently joined the staff uh, here at Willoughby and uh, he's going to lay a reef now um, on behalf of St Stephen's and ourselves as an act of remembrance. Thanks Ben. I'm Matt, not Ben, but I'd like to uh, read for you the card that uh, is on the reef that Ben will be laying. It says, we remember with grateful thanks those who gave their lives at Gallipoli in France, the Middle East, 
and other places, in the Great War of 1914 to 1918, and in all wars and conflicts since. We especially remember all who suffered in the aftermath in 1919 and in the years which followed, from the men, women and children of the Willoughby District. Thanks, Ben. I'm going to invite um, Lieutenant Commodore Ian Jagger, RAN, to um, come up now and read the ode, and then uh, we'll continue as a remembrance um, focused on this day. At this point in our service, we remember those who laid down their lives for us in past conflicts the ode to the fallen. They went with songs to the battle. They were young, straight of limb, true of eye, steady in the glow. They were staunch to the end against odds uncounted. They fell with their faces to the foe. They shall grow not old as we that are left grow old. Age shall not we them, nor the years condemn. But the going down of the sun and in the morning we will remember them, lest we forget.
Please be seated. Remembering the fallen and those who are still serving today, let us pray. Gracious Father, it is with humble and thankful hearts we remember all the men and women who lost their lives in past wars. Especially we remember those from Australia and New Zealand engaged in the Gallipoli campaign and in France and Palestine, as well as those involved in the Second World War and the conflict since. We hold them in solemn remembrance. We also bring before you, O Lord, all the men and women of our defence forces and peacekeepers at present serving at home or abroad. We seek your protection for those engaged in places of combat against tyranny and terrorism and comfort for their loved ones at home. Help us to worship you in the spirit of Jesus Christ our Lord, in, whom, in whose name we pray. Amen. Eternal God and Father, the darkness is not dark to you, and the night as clear as the day. 
As the centenary of the commemoration of the Great War draws to a close, and we now reflect on the subsequent aftermath and consequences, accompany us as we go out into the world, reconciled to one another and to you, so that we may walk through life's perils and sorrows as children of light. Through Jesus Christ our Lord. Amen. going to sing our last uh, hymn for the service here. I just want to invite you to come and um, uh, share in a cup of tea or, or a coffee or, or like uh, over here if you don't know where we normally meet. In that direction, you walk out the side gate or wherever you want to walk, but go in that direction. It'd be great if you could stay to share your experiences perhaps and your responses to the service. That would be uh, terrific. And I also just want to say a big thank you to all those who put so much effort and time into preparing this service, uh, much appreciated. And for our guests, um, many, many guests today, thank you for being here and part of 
this service and uh, we just um, uh, ask that um, uh, you, you, if given an opportunity, say thank you to those who've come along. Thank you.
done, folks.